Returning to Metropolis, we found a city in peril. Natural disasters, invasions, and a host of villains had beset upon the citizens in such a ferocity and frequency that it was a miracle that anything was still standing. Despite it all, there he stood, triumphant and strong, Superman, giving hope to those who had been hurt by the calamities. We watched with pride as the man of tomorrow came into his own as he aided the people who had come to look up to the god of the Golden Age. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew Peko, and I am a bona fide G and a certified hustler, and you can't teach that. Oh. Bada bing, bada boom, realist guys in the room, how you doing, John? Oh, I'm so sad. You made I me so I messed sad. it up a little bit. You I messed it up so a little bit. You sad just now, because yeah. Enzo and Kaz broke up, and I'm sad. Uh, sorry if that's spoilers, but uh, it's, it's, it's been a couple weeks. Yeah, it's been a few weeks on Raw, catch up. Come think of it, tomorrow is... I'm, Raw is Mondays, right? Raw is, Raw is Mondays. Uh... Hi, we're the DC Detectives, and it's our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every versible finish. I hope... And actually, one of the reasons I think that works so well is because I still got to say my name, yes. so we didn't have to backtrack. We didn't have to backtrack, no. <laughs> and also, it may cover what we do normally, because I think Enzo and Cass will get back together, so it'll be I a reversible so. finish. I think they're a good hot tag team. Yeah. Regardless. Uh, this is a, uh, a tease for John's podcast that he thinks about doing occasionally. Yeah. I don't know if anybody would listen to wrestling fan fiction theater. <laughs> which is, That's exactly what it would be. Which is exactly... God, we get someone to do, like, Foley sounds. Oh, man. Like, I kind of want to go, like, really, really hard in production on it and see what I could do. But that's all... You know, neither here nor there when it comes down to it. That's 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 if I have time amidst my 9 to 5 right now and other stuff. But uh, that being said, we're doing Superman again. This is the last Superman episode for a while. And I say that, but I realize we haven't covered Batman in eight months. <laughs> we, we had this moment of realization like, okay, so we need to buy Batman volumes so that we can finish it off. What was the last one we bought? When did we buy it? How long ago was it that we did a Batman ish, you know, episode and eight months and eight, volume two? Yeah, so there's eleven Batman volumes. <laughs> so we're gonna go in pieces, but we're gonna go hard in the paint on this. Mm. But we realize we have neglected the Bat family, and we will get back to them because we want to cover them. And then we're gonna do Aquaman. Then we're gonna do some ten cent plague mccarthyism yes. comics code stuff and then we will go into the silver age i'm thinking our first plan to do would then be barry allen's mm-hmm. appearance as the flash in yeah. the 60s so that's our plan in the future as of right now however we're going to finish off the man of steel's adventures uh up to volume 10 of this uh the chronicle collections and that's i want to say 1942 two is where it ends um yeah 1942 yeah, december 1942 right. is from seven to ten so it goes from 1941 to 1942 only two years that we cover in those two years i want to say a little over 500 pages of comics in two years that's a lot of comic so this actually i'm going to i'm going to spoiler this podcast uh i did a lot of data stuff you're also missing the data from volume one which i'm sorry because my uh, dad has that i was wondering where that went uh that and i also didn't have a chance to add in nine and ten so i'm probably going to expand this a little bit but from specifically uh looking at uh volume two through volume eight there were so that's between july of 39 and april of 42 
There are 93 stories. Mm-hmm. Not 93 issues, necessarily, because remember, there's the Superman Quarterly. Uh, actually, I think that might be bi-monthly. Uh, it's, yeah, it's every two months, it seems like now. Yeah. Uh, they and start out quarterly. Okay, and actually, I think they go from three issues, or three stories to four within them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's 93 stories within a little less than three years. Holy shit. And to, and to give you a sense of, of scope as well, we started with Action Comics number one. We end on Action Comics number 55. That's a li- that's over four mm-hmm. years worth of comics. I guess, yeah, because 38, right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he starts on number one. Batman starts on number 38 yeah. of Detective, which was running before Action. Now I'm trying to remember. But he's a year uh, later. July of 38? Superman? I, oh man, I I'd, have to, I'd have to look back, uh, but bottom line being 38, Batman's 39, but mm-hmm. he starts on the 38th issue of Detective, which is interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yes, we go from Action Comics 1 to 55, and we go from Superman number 1 to Superman number 19. And World's Finest and World's Fair. Right, and World's, there are a lot of different stories. Right, and we get to World's Finest comics. number 7, however, we don't see Superman in World's Finest number 5. No. It skips a year, or rather, an issue mm-hmm. of World's Finest. Huh? That surprises me. Um, maybe they didn't need a minute. Mainly because he's <laughs> selling well. Publishing aside, we're gonna move to Volume Seven, which is Action Comics number forty-one to forty-three, Superman number twelve to thirteen, and World's Finest number four. Uh, body count one for this volume alone. I kept track per volume. Just one. Uh, he only kills one person. Huh. Uh, in this one it is a guy that he shocks with his own electricity yeah um and purposefully kills him so oh no 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 this is the guy that he deflects the bullet back at Mm -hmm. and uh who's shooting at lois and he deflects the bullet specifically back in the guy's face that's a deliberate kill it it is worth noting like a lot of these are the hard end of the golden age i'm not killing you myself thing but except i'm I'm except for except for volume eight true that sounds right but Mm -hmm. yeah like it he is less unwilling to kill than I expected. I yeah, mean, that, that feels weird. It's less often uh, in in these comics, and uh, in these comics you have giant animals. Luthor appears three times. Uh, there's the beginning of the real struggle with keeping the Clark Kent facade up mm-hmm. and trying to hide it from Lois Lane. Really, we actually kind of get to see that begin, which is nice. The Archer, a villain, who's just a dude who kills people. <laughs> we start to get some straight supervillains now. Mm-hmm. And it's and kind of intense. And beyond the supervillain side, it's the it's the schlockiness of it. Yeah. Because, like, we, wh- have, we have scientists who have crazy inventions. We have the prankster mm-hmm. and the puzzler in the same episode. Night Owl. You yeah. know, like, so it's... We start getting some real honest to goodness. This is what you think of when you think a supervillain. Supervillain. Yes. yes. Um, so also Jimmy Olsen makes his appearance in mm-hmm. Superman number thirteen. He's blonde. Yeah. Which is interesting. Clark uh, takes care of a baby that gets dropped off on his doorstep at one point. Uh, there's an un- underground civilization that Superman stumble- stumbles across that tries to invade the surface world. And there's a streetcar versus bus dichotomy, sort of an issue mm-hmm. where he tries to stop streetcars from being destroyed so that buses can, like, take over. It's really, it's really strange. I mean, it's public transit in, a, in an era when everyone had cars. 
available to them. Not like, like everyone could afford cars because cars were still expensive back in that time, but still, mm-hmm. I feel the public transit thing would still be... I feel like that fight would have been had already if buses were already there. I don't know enough about the history of public transit uh, around that era, but, I mean, you've also got uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, right. the, the idea of real estate and uh, public transit and stuff as fodder for, like, noir stories is certainly there. And I that's the era that I think of as sort of golden age noir is late 40s, uh, early 50s. That's a good point, yeah. Huh. Uh, honestly, I don't know, F, because... I live on the West Coast, and we don't have public transit. No, we do. It's just trains. Eh, even then, like, on a, on the grand scheme of, like, our our stuff versus everywhere else. That's it's, true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, volume 8, Action Comics, number 44 through 47, Superman number 14 to 15. There's a caveman that comes back to life. Uh, he helps it. The Dawn imprint- Man, I think The Dawn Man, yeah, yeah, I believe. It's, uh, it's just entertaining. It's just Grape Ape, but tiny. What? Who, you ever see it's Grape Ape? You ever see Grape Ape, the Hanna Barbera cartoon? Hanna Barbera? Uh, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, Google it. It's basically it's just a caveman who, instead of Encino Manning, like is used for nefarious purposes. Um, we have Superman helping an investor to get money for his discovery. Mermaids. There's a crazy undersea invasion that literally like submerges part of the city of Metropolis. To a point where, on a global scale, that would be noticed. And it ends with their entire undersea city getting destroyed. Right, not by Superman, but by each other, But he is remarkably... He doesn't act on it. He doesn't act to stop it. Yeah. It feels like... That one I'll actually, like, take the position you usually take. I think he could have stopped it. Although, there is one thing that I do want to address. The fact that there is the Lady Mermaid who, instead of it being like, hey, she's wearing like a seashell bikini or something. No, she has scales that literally turn into a shirt. You can tell this because her neck is a different color from the entirely shaped, uh, uh, t-shirt shaped uh, scales. It's quite a conservative mermaid. It's, wow. (laughs) Uh, Also, Superman can speak many different languages, as we find out. He can speak merperson. Oh, yeah. Which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lightning Master's in this also we get the Lightning Master who's just a dude who commands weather there's a zoo that Superman gets exotic animals <laughs> for uh, with a huge arc there's a carnival with some bad guys there uh, there's the Napcan invasion which mm-hmm. is just a vaguely Asian ethnic country that supposedly is supposed to be a stand in for Japan during this time period I imagine he fights Oxnalians who are invading another country in Europe. That's your vague uh, German Third Reich analogy because there's a very specific Hitler mm-hmm. allegory. Oh, yeah. And then uh, we have Luther and the Power Stone, which is a great Which band. recurs. Yeah. Also, it's a great band name. Uh, yeah. So, there Wait, you go. Luther's. And you have Martin Luther and Luthor arguing. That's and a... they're, they're actually singing duets the entire no, time. It's... it's Alexander Luther, Martin Luther, and Martin Luther King Jr. So you've got all the the big Luthers. Oh, and Luther Vandross. And they're an R&B prog rock band. But boy bands aside... Hey, hey, we're the Luthers. Oh, God. That would be such a (laughs) weird uh, melody. Boy bands aside, I want you to guess how many people he kills in this. 21. No, too high. 6. No, too low. 13. Close. 4. 
You went from eleven. Six... <laughs> I was like, that's you. You went further down than you. Uh, no, okay. 15... I'm a good haggler. <laughs> Fifteen inside jokes. Fifteen. Um, I specifically counted the planes that when he stopped the Oxnallian invasion, yeah, he yeah. grabbed the bombs from their bomb bay yep. doors and threw them back at the planes, which is decidedly intentional because otherwise he's punching the planes out of the sky and you see specifically parachutes. So he straight up killed those guys. Yeah. Versus what he could have done, which was just knock them out of the sky. Also, he is completely flying now. If there was any ambiguity yeah. from the last time we did this, where we were like, he looks like he's flying, he's flying although i think the only time they've used the word flying or any kind of conjugation of it something about blah 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 mid-flight i don't think they really say by the way he can fly now which no. is a little bit strange i think what i think my theory is they address it in the cartoon and they've assumed everybody's seen the cartoon or the newspaper strips and therefore mm -hmm. they're not going to talk about it in the comics i'd believe it but you'd think something would I don't, come up i don't know but it, one way or another its absence feels strange yeah uh moving along to the next volume volume nine action comics number 48 through 52 superman number 16 and 17 world's finest number six no deaths in this volume uh not that i saw and I check for these types of things. Mm -hmm. uh, Superman fights... Death uh, Watch, 2017. Yeah, right. Superman fights an astrology hoax. Uh, Mr. Sinister. Yeah. That was weird. <laughs> it was just some dude who can transport people to another dimension and commit crimes. The Puzzler. Uh, There's just this whole streak of super schlocky Saturday morning cartoon villains. It's pretty it's so amazing. Good. I'm actually really excited about it. Uh, World's Finest. Jimmy is really established with red hair and also is the... Uh, Daily Planet's newsboy. Uh, Metallo mm -hmm. shows up. There's another circus. Uh, baseball scouting time. Superman helps a potential baseball player get scouted into a major league team because he's bored. Like, the guy yeah. seems pretty content to live his life and not be a baseball star. And then Superman and Lois see him and they're like, you should be a professional. He's like, I kind of don't want to. And then they literally take care of his life for him. I so think it was one be. of those, like, hey, I have responsibilities on the farm. Congratulations, your farm is already set up. Yeah, that was, it was, it felt weirdly like they took his agency away from him. Oh, yeah. And I was like, mm, I'm not happy about that. Then again, they were also the ones who eventually were responsible for him getting thrown out at a point. So right. it winds up being a little bit, but yeah. Right. Uh, Lois attempts to see if Clark is Superman. That plot thread is started and now begins to weave in and out of issues occasionally. The Human Bomb Gang, which is just yeah. a gang of people who are suicide bombers. That was weird. Jim uh, Hypnosis. There's yeah. a guy who runs a gym where he... There's a lot of hypnosis. He this. hypnotizes people to commit crimes and think that they're incredibly strong. And by making them think that they are incredibly strong, they are, I suppose. That's not how that works. Um, he also creates the Fortress of Solitude in a mountain range, which is really awesome. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first appearance of the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, Luther shows up. Luther and the Power Stone Part 2. This time, with the Power Stone, he takes superman's powers away from him and like changes size and superman outwits him which i thought was really stupid the prankster and then uh the suggestion control emperor guy who basically can suggest that people follow his orders and then they basically just make him the president of the united states and he is and because superman is so i guess smart and cool he's not suggested by this man and can therefore withstand it Volume 10, World's Finest, number 7, Superman, number 18 through 19, and Action Comics, 53 through 55. There's a murder mystery. There's a fake real Nazi invasion. 
where a, f- a real Nazi pretends to be like a concerned citizen and says, yes, we're all not prepared for the Nazis enough, and then organizes in Metropolis a fake Nazi invasion to show just what a Nazi invasion would be like, but he uses real Nazis, and everyone just essentially lets themselves get invaded by Nazis, which is really stupid and really, really, really stupid on a lot of levels. Wow, a whole lot of people treating people who portray themselves as Nazis as either a joke and or uh, something ironic and entertaining. Wow. No, no, no. I've never heard anything like that before. But but beyond that, to the point where they're walking around with, like, guns and tanks, mm-hmm. but and no one was like, are these blanks? Are these blanks? Yeah. You're walking around with guns in the street, are these... Bl-? Like, to the point mm-hmm. of, at an yeah. administrative level of, like, just public safety. These guys were also doing preparatory... Me- quote-unquote preparatory mm-hmm. measures and i feel like the fire department the police department should have been in on that yeah th- this this was not permitted right like there was no uh paperwork that was done it was just like yeah, yeah i got a bunch of buddies who like happen to be really into nazi shit and like they have tanks and guns and stuff like you want us to just pretend to be nazis and i was like there was no vetting process yeah like there was no like <laughs> so what makes you think you'd yeah. be a good fake nazi right or just let me see <laughs> where your... do you see yourself in five years yeah. is, is your is the firing pin in your gun removed you're going to be walking around in a public street it's things like that where i was like there's a lot of like city planning that was just mm-hmm. skipped for the sake of patriotism here and that was weird to me Luther... Did we clarify why they had a fake Nazi invasion? It was just because uh, Clark had decided that no one was prepared enough for the actual Nazis and said this would be a good idea to show people what the Nazis are like. And everyone's like, oh yeah, this will scare people into like joining up for the war. That yes. was what it was. It was to like scare people into joining the army. Yeah, I, I felt it was important for us to clarify that because it was, right. it's a weird story. It's, a, it's very strange. Uh, Luther, again, uses some straight supervillain nonsense of a heat and a freeze ray <laughs> on a, on a like asteroid or orbiting a planet. He has asteroid M. It's the best. It's pretty, it's pretty dope. Um, the snake terrifies some sand hogs. I'm not going to clarify that sentence any further. I just want you to sit there. The I snake... am because I looked it up. Sand hog is a term for uh, miners in, like, especially New York, underground tunneling. Well, I figured that's what that was, but I just like the idea that there was a term called sand hog. I know! And I was just like, the snake terrifies sand hogs. And that's a completely legitimate term that can be used in the English language. And yeah. so yeah. that just to me was a real Buffalo, treat. buffalo, buffalo, buffalo. Right, exactly. The Night Owl shows up, which is just a stupid villain who takes his entire moniker way too seriously by perching on a trapeze that I thought was like, that's a bit extra, sir. He did, didn't he? And I was like, you're, you don't need to do this. This is unnecessary. That can't be comfortable for you as a human. Your dedication to the craft is appreciated, however unnecessary. Yeah, like, even Penguin doesn't do that, you know? <laughs> of course not! Yeah. Like, maybe I, I could see him living in, like, a little warren or something. There's but a, Yeah, there's a difference between motif and doubling down, and that guy certainly doubled down beyond all reason. Also, I don't want to see the penguin try to swim. I feel like that would be entertaining. I'd actually be pretty convinced that he'd be, he'd be good at it. So, right. I just, I feel like the penguin would be good. I don't want to see him run. I want to see him swim, because mm-hmm. he's probably good. Just, just saying. Yeah, I probably can't run. That's probably why he keeps getting caught. If he was in the water, fuck, Batman would have to call Aquaman. He'd be like, Jesus Christ, he's way better at this than I thought he was for a fat guy. And, and I just is. want like the, uh, I want the security cam footage or the uh, the the telemetry and the audio pickup from the call. Just the bat holy cam. shit, he's just he's just swimming. 
the back cam on Batman's chest. Arthur, Arthur, why don't you ever swim this fast? I do, but, like, I don't need to around you. This is just, like, this isn't even fast. He, like, he's, like, pacing the just, penguin. No, just they're all watching it on the screen back at the watchtower. How's he doing that? And Arthur is just like, oh, and explains it very nonchalantly. And can Guy Gardner have Batman Humiliation Film Friday? Oh my god, yes. I think Guy Gardner needs anything Humiliation Batman Friday. Oh man. Uh, There's also Funny Face, who's a villain who can make cartoon characters come off of the page and become gigantic and commit crimes. Saturday morning cartoon villains. Superman dreams that Lois finds out who he is and they go into a different dimension and that's really stupid because I was like really down. I was like, oh man, like they went there. We're going to have some... How how are they going to get themselves out of this sticky situation? I didn't even think that was what it was going to be. I was like, oh cool, we're now going to further their relationship after four years. That's kind of what you do in that kind of a time period. In my head, I'm going, four years (laughs) of a comic, you're going to start moving with a character. Like, let's... They should. They should. They should. In my head, I'm going, yeah. four years is a long enough time that you've built up a reader base and you've taken two years to establish what your comic is. Your third year is when you start to put those seeds in place. Your fourth year should be the payoff of that story. Superman also watches himself in a cartoon with Lois in a theater, which was literally the most painful thing for me. Really? Because... Oh, I loved it. It's, it's hilarious, but if you think about it, that is the ultimate meta version of them reading their own comic to me. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah, no, this was not up your alley. Because <laughs> the, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. How does anyone know the information that they know? That's the problem. If it was just mm-hmm. Superman and Lois Lane doing things, that's different. As opposed to the fact that it knew that he was Clark. That's what doesn't make it believable to me that this is like a thing. I was like, this is way too meta. Yeah. Oh, no, it's 100% embracing the fact and, of the meta-ness. And, and he, the fact that uh, Lois was literally the only person he cared to stop her from to stop from seeing the scenes where he right. changed from Clark Kent into Superman. So it is so gloriously stupidly meta. Oh, it's so dumb because because not only that, he's a household name. Yep. So anybody who goes, oh, Clark Kent isn't that the guy who writes for the Daily Planet? And also the Daily Planet's in the cartoon. Yeah. Him writing for the Daily Planet's in the cartoon, it doesn't make sense. Why is this a thing? I totally get him seeing a cartoon of himself because he's become so important in the world mm-hmm. in that like they would make cartoons of him because they, they idolize him like flash has the flash museum i'm assuming there are flash cartoons in the dc universe just because they mm-hmm. like the flash so much i'm not beyond the realm of believing that there are certain things in the world that would begin to formulate because of these characters such as wonder mm-hmm. woman having a wonder woman movie made out of her in the comics i totally get that i totally get there being uh cartoons of these characters what i don't like is when the action comics covers are direct ripoffs of the covers that they are in if it was a different mm-hmm. cover that was never I, used i agree with that yes yeah i, I was like if it was a different cover that was never used like this is a fake action comic that doesn't exist in the real world but mm-hmm. has to do with superman i'm totally cool with it but when it's literally the action comics number one cover and he's reading it i'm like how are you like doesn't that freak you out like, that they know all this information. Like, Superman was not perturbed at all that they knew all the Clark Kent information. Like, that wasn't an immediate, like, what the fuck? Oh, well, my God. I mean, Has someone been following me? I just read that as it's not canon. I, I am okay it, you know with what, that. You know what it reminds me of? It's the out-of-continuity uh, episode of an anime. Sure. Or but... the, uh, like, the, the little uh, four-panel strip you might do 
uh, in the like letters page. It's it's that, and yes, that's totally fine. The problem is it's under the moniker of Action or Superman, and yeah. that's what gets me. Is if this was a World's Finest comic, totally. Mm-hmm. Totally would be fine with it because World's Finest has not been established as normal continuity. The only thing that has been established... Really? Just nothing that happens... Okay, true. Yeah, there's never been any carryover that we know of. um, uh, Yeah, the only thing that's happened to World's Finest is they've specifically stated that Jimmy Olsen is the Daily Planet newsboy, but Jimmy was established in a regular Superman comic before he showed up in World's Finest. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't really count. So anything that happens in World's Finest should, in my mind, be anything that occurred previously in the comics outside of World's Finest. It's its own continuity. For lack of a better term, mm. the World's Finest is its own universe. Because Not that it has to be, but at the same time, it's the holiday special. Mm. You know? It's, it's Superman Saves Christmas. It's, you know, uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold. It's uh, the one-hour movie that it's... rehashes stuff. It's B-tier canon that can be ignored if necessary to make everything fit. Exactly. And there's a level of meta-contextualness to it that being put in the normal continuity weirds me out. Anyway, we're done with summary. That's all you know. All right. Well, the good news is I don't have to fill a lot of time, so... (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, I mentioned that I looked at data. Uh, That wound up sort of being what I spent a chunk of my research time doing. So don't be surprised if you don't hear me going super in depth on other things, but I really wanted to have, I wanted, I wanted charts. I wanted pretty line graphs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I went through and broke down from volume two through volume eight, uh, a couple different slices of data, specifically the number of issues or instances where three different things. So the first is, did Lois do something risky and in, in the course of investigating and get caught? Yes. And bad <laughs> things were about to happen to her. Either she gets kidnapped or she's about to be shot or something. So that one, the definition that I used was specifically that Lois had to be, it had to be a dumb idea. It had to be risky. Like, hey, I'm going to investigate this thing on my own. Or like bringing Clark with you to a dangerous situation when you knew Clark wouldn't be good. You know what? You know what? I even gave her the benefit of the doubt on those. Okay. And said, okay, chalk that up in the not her fault, didn't get kidnapped, or uh, got kidnapped for some other reason column. She has a chaperone, so therefore she's cool. Okay, that's fair. Or not even that. Just like, hey, this person's going to back you up. Okay, It's like... Hey, I'm going in with a gun. Okay, yeah. One yeah. one thing worth noting. There were, I think, two stories in here where Lois brings a gun with her when she's investigating something risky. And she uses it like, hey, uh, fuck off. You don't get to kidnap me. Never works. Because, well, she's packing. Yeah. At least she's ta- she's taking the steps to defend herself. <laughs> so, but it never works. It never makes a damn bit of difference. No, it doesn't. It fucking annoys me. Uh, the other thing that entertains me is, I think twice this happens uh, in later volumes. Like, I think they're both volume 9 and 10. Uh, the points where Lois gets kidnapped and just like, all right, well, Superman's going to go uh, rescue me, so fuck you, buddy. Yeah. 
It was so good. It's the one where she. Uh, I, I think it's the uh, the issue where she thinks that she's figured out that Clark is Superman, and right. she's just like, "Well, Superman's always got my back." Well, and there, like, well there's that one, but even before that, because that's like a, a hoisting petard, petard etc. Also, true. fun fact: a petard is a bomb. So being hoisted by your own petard is having one of these like old school, like Shakespearean era. Uh, essentially like large grenade explode and throw fling you up into the air interesting yeah uh so being hoisted by your own petard is hey i made this bomb instead of blowing up somebody else i accidentally detonated <laughs> it and threw myself up into the air uh and now you know it's a long way of saying backfire yeah well not just a backfire because it's specifically of uh, an explosive right. device uh but there's a couple stories where it's like <laughs> Someone successfully kidnaps Lois. She's like, you have no idea the shit you just brought on yourself. Aww. Aww, <laughs> I, I do like shit-talking Lois. She so how many times does that happen? All right, so a lot. <laughs> so fall 1940 through August of 1941 was the peak of Lois Lane as investigative reporter in distress. In that period of 36 stories, Lois was kidnapped 21 times in 17 stories. Jesus. And there were 16 other stories where she was present but wasn't kidnapped. Uh, after that, she's still kidnapped fairly frequently, but it's less often. Uh, what's So, first off, wow, 21 times in 17 stories out of 36 total stories in that period. Uh, heavy reliance on trope much. Mm -hmm. What's also interesting is that she's appearing almost constantly because she's in... 20, uh, yeah, 33 stories out of 36. At that, there's a point, like, uh, I think through, like, volume three or four, she doesn't really appear much. And then suddenly she's in every single story. Hmm. It's really interesting seeing that shift. Uh, also interesting, it's not uncommon for her to be risky and get kidnapped multiple times in one issue yeah there i think i've got uh on the graph there are a number of twos and one where she is actually kidnapped three times uh you'll hear me use kidnapped in this case it just refers to hey in a in a risky situation i just right. wound up using kidnapped because that's the archetypal example so there's that it's actually pretty entertaining so i mentioned that time period that's also, like, at the end of that time period is also right around when Superman shifts from being an ally of the poor and the victimized specifically to helping mostly the rich or general, like, defender of truth, justice, American way. There's a lot of, especially in seven and eight, volume 7 and 8, uh, defending the nation from foreign threats. Stuff like that, or, hey, the city as a whole is threatened versus hey, these bankers are being targeted by this blackmailer, or, hey, the poor people here are being victimized by this shitty doctor who's using fake drugs. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, the majority of stories aren't about Superman specifically helping any social class. It's that neither category that I talked about. But before March of 1941, if the story is about Superman mostly helping a social class, either the rich or the poor, it's usually the poor. These are the stories that we sort of called out right at the beginning, the socialist agitator. There's a few months where the stories are more heavily slanted towards national defense, like I mentioned. Uh, then after 1941, uh, August, he's mostly helping the rich. Rich men targeted by blackmailers, stuff like that. Fighting for the poor drops off dramatically. Here's the number. In volume 7 and 8, the count of rich, poor, neither 
as the main victims or allies, 7314. Hmm. At that point, we have twice as many instances where the rich and powerful, specifically the rich. Uh, I think I left off any instance where it was just like, hey, a judge is being targeted. Rich people, the upper strata of society, being the victims and needing help from Superman. The the story that always that I latch onto is Superman helps plantation owners in an non-designated, uh, presumably Atlantic island. Hmm. Remember the one where they rescue the where Lois and Clark actually uh, rescue. Uh, some rich people who are traveling on an ocean liner. Mm-hmm. They're like, you should join us on our island where we have native people working on a plantation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Superman as guardian of the so- of the status quo and not the socialist agitator, which, you know, you've heard me. I had my issues with it, but it's really weird seeing him suddenly be batman because that's what batman did a lot of i would say be booster gold Mm. sell out well it's that's the thing it's not the selling out but it is the the attention paid to defending the rich other thing that i looked at uh so i talked about risky investigations and who is the victim this one was also entertaining who gets the scoop Mm. i'm actually really interested in this so there were points where it felt like uh a very common thing throughout these stories is the last panel, or usually the last panel, maybe the last two panels, uh, especially volumes like five and later, is someone saying, gosh, I finished this um, this awesome story, and they got totally scooped by the other person. Right. Uh, it turns out it's, like, it's not even close. It is absolutely Clark, like, all the way through. It yeah. might be, it's worth noting, these were notes that I took before I read nine and ten, but up to that point, Lois had gotten four scoops over Clark. Yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah, the total number. Let me actually sum it up. Uh, so this is just looking at things that are specifically called scoops over the other person. It's not like, hey, and you got that great story. It's one person being usually jealous of the other person or it explicitly being called a scoop. So Clark... Tops out at 21 scoops, uh, and that goes all the way through the end of Volume 8 from starting in Volume 2. Lois has, oh, six. That was a... Oh, yeah, it's not nearly the same, but yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, and I mentioned this one already. 93 stories between July of 1939 and April of 42. Holy shit. That's a lot, yeah. That's, that's a lot of Superman. And it shows because, as we noticed, like, I think after volume six, or six or seven, uh, probably six, uh, Schuster has very little involvement. Uh, It's almost all illustrated by other members of presumably the Superman team. Yeah, there does definitely seem to be a shift in the art. Yeah, and just looking at the accreditation at the beginning, it's, I hope that was when he was focusing on, like, the, the comics, or the actual, like, comic strip in the newspapers, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know too much about that history. Yeah, I didn't research that one. I do remember like guest artisting being an issue, but that might have been with other people in DC. Other stuff that I have, Seven Seas. This got brought up. Uh, there, there was a ghost pirate ep- uh, issue. Oh yeah, Captain Iron Fist. <laughs> but uh, it turns out like the term Seven Seas 
has been used in a lot of different cultures and referring to a lot of different bodies of water. Hmm. Like right now, it would mostly refer to like the major chunks of oceans. Like uh, I want to say it's like North Atlantic, South Atlantic, Pacific, Indian, uh, Antarctic, and some two other things like different parts of uh, maybe like the Gulf, uh, the Mexican Gulf, or Gulf of Mexico, Gulf of Mexico. Uh, but stuff like that Mm -hmm. before, like you go back to medieval Europe and they're mostly referring to the Mediterranean and maybe as well, like the Atlantic, uh, you go further back. The Romans were referring, use that same term more or less to refer to seven lagoons that were in, uh, Italy. I think might might even have been specifically in the neighborhood of Rome. Hmm. Uh, you go over to. Uh, the Arabic culture and seven the seven seas refer to the seven bodies of water that you cross on like the trade route to Mal- the Malaccas. Uh, so you get uh, what like the the Gulf of Hormuz, uh, parts of the Indian Ocean, stuff like that. Uh, and then there's the um, the Mesopotamians who refer to seven different uh, rivers. Mm. But it interested me that like especially with the uh with the romans like the term they use like septum uh, something i don't remember the word in latin but it's like that's very clearly seven seas so that interested me yeah also why does luther have fangs oh thank god you mentioned it um, <laughs> i thought yeah. i was gonna have to go back and say, no like, rewind. it's the weirdest shit it's luther, the weirdest shit luther and the power stone issues very clearly has fangs or he's got a lot of drool between his canine and his lower he teeth fangs. but it's fangs i really it's <laughs> I feel like so he, weird. He got more monstrous with the power stone. Let's, I guess let's, I'll go with that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Altered beast. Yeah. So I've been uh, listening to a lot and watching a lot of our, uh, tabletop RPG uh, podcasts and shows, and it feels like archetypal Superman—not this Superman, but archetypal Superman—is uh, the only member of the Trinity who wouldn't have to roll in combat against regular criminals either for physical or social com- combat. Mm. Uh, meaning that he could either, like, overpower a criminal or convince him not to do something. Or, like, hey, someone's about to about to jump, convince them not to do that. Social combat. Uh, so, like, especially, like, a guy with a, a pistol and a, a ski mask. Kal-El either intimidates him or gets him to open up or just feeds him away to somewhere he doesn't threaten anyone or breaks the gun and then, like, whatever. So... Uh, by that token, would his charisma just be incredibly high? I think it would. Okay. I think it would. Uh, compared to, I think the Flash could do the same with speed in physical combat. Batman would have at best a decent chance at intimidating out of people out of combat. But even so, like we always see the, oh, it's the Bat! And then they continue to have combat. There's no, like, don't you think you ought to go home today, son? Is, is intimidation a strength-based attribute role? Uh, so in most D&D, it's charisma. Uh, you... There are often rules that allow you to use strength in uh, if it's higher than your charisma, but like you need to demonstrate. I thought that was fifth ed. Fifth ed allows you to do that. I think I remember it, rolling. For... It's pretty common, like that. There will be something, some rule, because it's yeah. like everyone does the. Yeah, you gotta have something. Right. Yeah. So I, I I feel like Batman would would pass on the strength rolls because he's probably Pro- stronger than a normal person for that. But in terms of just like the the metaphor of 
how good he is in social combat. Like it feels like he still fails a lot, one way or another. Right. I mean, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't have to win the role. I'm just saying he chooses to roll yes. that way. Oh yeah. <laughs> a lot. Like ninety percent of his roles start and initiate combat. I would like to intimidate them, and the DM is like, <laughs> "You really probably shouldn't, Bruce. Yeah. Like you're not going to do it again. It's not going to work. So I just want to try." And you're like, oh, "Fine." Natural twenty. I'd like your you, parents aren't dead anymore. Yeah, I <laughs> roll for disadvantage because you have a, a half naked youth with you. I mean, like <laughs> that's less intimidating, if more off-putting. Uh, <laughs> someone please take that out of context. <laughs> I want to see that animated, please. Yeah. Someone draw that for us. Batman and Robin sitting at a at a D and D table. Yeah, oh like, that. Yes, I, I would like to roll. I would like to roll to intimidate. Roll for disadvantage. Why? Because you've got Robin with you and he's in a Speedo. <laughs> if you put him in pants, I'll, I'll make the roll n- neutral. So, really? Like, the costume change that happened with Tim Drake was literally just someone munchkinning? Yeah. <laughs> oh, munchkin. I am so on board with this. <laughs> just someone who gets... A, a, a role player who gets tired of that version of the <laughs> character. I want to I wanna re-roll. But I don't want to completely change the character. I'd like Again? To, I'd like to respec instead of this time as a tumbler. Oh my god, yes, it's a respec. Instead of this time as a tumbler, as my major, I'd like to be a... For Dick, I'm going, mm-hmm. instead of tumbler as my main class, I'd like it to be ranger? Why? Because <laughs> I want to dual wield. <laughs> Alright. That means I can wear light armor now, right? Yeah, theoretically. Awesome! Where are my pants? Like, <laughs> like that, I get oh, I'm so down for that's that. That's it. Uh, I do think that Wonder Woman have, would have about, like, a coin flip of successfully convincing someone, intimidating them, mm-hmm. or be, successfully beating the crap out of them, or disarming them. Uh, yes. Other interesting factoid. 1890s baseball team name, Brooklyn Bridegrooms. And apparently they event. I think they eventually wound up like funneling into being the modern day L.A. Dodgers. What? Why? Why are we learning about this? Because that's a name that came up. Uh, or wait, no. The reason for that was uh, baseball team names in the 1940s. Because we see the Metropolis Ravens. That's correct. Yeah, and I wanted. <laughs> this is dumb, how my brain name. works. Like. Step one, step two, step five, and step Z. Yeah, I was like, how did we get to the click hole of this? Like, <laughs> what is the, what's yeah. the point of origin here? Uh, what else? Uh, I'm going to power through this stuff, but uh, I think of a lot of these stories as what if, not necessarily in like the uncontinuity what if side, but of, hey, what if Luther had electricity powers? <laughs> uh, what if there was a rhyming supervillain? What if Lois started to suspect Superman's real identity? What if? No superpower Kal-El. Yeah, that's definitely what these are. Uh, this is another sort of like looking back at Superman thing. Uh, I'm still going to lobby for Lois and Clark being on again, off again. Yeah. Or maybe even like ex-husband, ex-wife. Like they tried something for a little while. It didn't quite work. They're either like doing a uh, separation or they're... Or, the other thing that I came up with that I thought also fits surprisingly well, they're not together per se, but they've kind of fallen in that way because everyone else at the office has kind of shipped them. And they don't they aren't getting out and like meeting people on their own on their own. It's just like, well, I mean, yeah, we kinda enjoy this I guess, 
but we're not anything really. We just kind of fell into this. It doesn't fit quite right, but we're too busy uh, working to find anything else, and we kind of enjoy it, and we kind of fit, but not completely. But... I'll, I'll give you at one point they were, like, talking about moving in together. Mm-hmm. Using yeah. the modern... I guess progression of basis. Yeah, being like, like well, we should we're gonna move in together now because we've been dating for so many months slash maybe a year, and once mm-hmm. we do that, the obvious progression would be then to get married. Once we soon soon do that, and then she gets tired of his shit, and she says no, and then they just kind of casually see each other. Mm-hmm. Like I'll 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 totally say that happened. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Like way too invested in each other to not be to still feel like they have either have to or choose or can have the permission to shape the other person to a degree like okay we're going on this expedition you're going to be braver because you have to you should be and i know you should be yeah she cares too much about clark to try and keep getting him jealous Mm. like bottom line if she didn't care about him romantically she'd stop doing that and just date other people because she can and they go on vacations together it's like you guys are the most Ross and Rachel. It's the weird... Yeah, it's really <laughs> strange. Uh, I also want to call out the eight doomed men story. Yes. That I think it was at the start of, like, nine. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's just a Poe uh, thriller with Superman in it halfway yeah, through. Yeah, the and, murder mystery I uh, mentioned. I liked it. So weird. It was strange. It was completely tonally inconsistent with everything else. It's the Weeping Angels episode of Doctor Who. Oh. Because he's hardly that. in it. Superman's hardly in yeah. that issue. And Superman could be replaced by the cops, like getting called and trying to figure out what's going on, but not succeeding, and only arriving halfway through I, after half the people are already dead. I stopped reading dialogue boxes oh. in that because I was just like, Superman's not here. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> n- either you're all going to die, or none of what you say is important because Superman's not around. Honestly, like, it felt like a shadow story. Yeah, or uh, Sandman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, it's very Sandman. That would have been a really uh, good Sandman story. Like, that as well, but also Sandman Neil Gaiman. Because mm. he had so many issues where it's like, Dream is only going to show up very barely in this. So, let's just have this... Like, it's... A, I think they alternated volumes and often issues that were, alright, here's something that is just mortal world or weirdness... And maybe a little bit of the endless. Yeah. Are you excited for more Batman? I'm excited for more Batman. You know what else I'm excited for? Well, I'm uh, sort of transitioning into what are we enjoying segment. Oh, yeah. And well, we'll probably power through that really quick. Speaking of what are we enjoying, I, I have asked on our Twitter a couple times for people to uh, tell us what they're enjoying. I have heard Paper Girls. From Image. I don't know that. I don't either, but I was told it was a good series, so go check oh. out Paper Girls. I just started reading Rebirth, the Rebirth volume that just deals with the event of Rebirth. Um, I cried almost twice reading that because it was like, "Ah!" and then uh, I very nearly cried. I think I actually might have cried a bit during Flash Rebirth when the same situation happened, but with more exposition and more pathos because they could spend more time on it. Mm. It's really good. I'm actually really liking it. So far, I've only just read Rebirth and... um, this most of volume one of flash rebirth i don't i don't like the watchman stuff that's right they pulled that in didn't they okay look 
I'm going to level with all of you. We're going to have a really real moment right now. Matt has heard this before. Mm-hmm. I don't like Watchmen. And it's not that I don't like Alan Moore. Watchmen is a little too much... A little too much chocolate in my peanut butter. And... I take issue with the comic for very specific reasons. Not that it isn't a monumental comic that everybody should read and is important for the industry of the company line. I just don't like it. I don't care about Tales from the Black Freighter. It's not a whole lot for me in Watchmen. And tying Watchmen in to the continuity of the greater DC universe. That's fucking weird. Just grinds my gears so much that I have never been so I've never felt so much like I just accidentally drank Jägermeister when reading a comic <laughs> that's remarkably specific and just be like oh fuck why did I do that and just and then like realize that like that's the comedian pin and very rapidly finished the comic to not see more of that Unfortunately, I started with Flash next, which is a bad decision when trying to avoid stuff dealing with the Watchmen and the Button, because Barry Allen and uh, Bruce Wayne are all about that, and I had to read more about that, and I was like, nobody cares, I don't want to fucking, ah. So, if you dig Watchmen, and that is beautiful, and so are you, you might be pleasantly surprised by Rebirth. I just... Didn't want to ever have to deal with that comic ever again unless somebody asked me about it and they wanted a, a dissertation. And I now have to look at Watchmen stuff. So, I hesitantly recommend Rebirth <laughs> because of things I don't like in it. Not to say that it makes it bad, but just because I personally don't like it doesn't mean that it does not have quality. So I also can't give uh, an unequivocal uh, recommendation, uh, but I picked up. I actually I have three kind of recommendations. That is the amount of fingers you were holding up. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'll... <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so the first recommendation that I'm going to give, and it is remarkably specific, so it won't apply to most of you guys. Uh, go to what used to be R&K Comics and Cards uh, in Sunnyvale. That's the, the local comic store that I grew up with, uh, and I hadn't been back in a long time. I just hadn't dropped in. I had one of those, I went off to college and didn't pick up my order box of Sonic Comics. I felt kind of shitty about it for literally more than 10 years. <laughs> so I went back, and it turned out like the same guy was working there, so it was awesome. Uh, and I picked up. What, so first off, I don't remember what it's called now. It's like Comics Collect Collectibles to- and Toys or something like that. Uh, it's in Sunnyvale. Uh, if you're ever yeah. interested, you can find it. Uh, second is I picked up a copy of the first issue of Dr. Afra's solo series. At, tell you what, at some point I will totally not share the login info for my Marvel Unlimited account. So that you can read uh, <laughs> through the Doctor uh, the Vader series where she's introduced by Karen Gillan. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, okay. Uh, Star Wars. Uh, but uh, first volume of her, or first issue of her ongoing series. And it was really good. Really enjoyable. Very, like, 
uh, establishing character bit of, okay, this is sort of the tone, and it's high C. It's Han Solo without Han Solo. I enjoyed it. It's also five bucks. Like, I think the mm. ongoing series is, I, I think the ongoing series is four, but I, I can't possibly justify. I, I got like 10 minutes of reading. I'm going to reread it, and it'll give me another 10 minutes. It's, I, I read quickly. I don't look super in depth at comic pages, which is why Marvel Unlimited is the best thing ever. That's uh, yes, that's why so, I'm the other half of this podcast. By the way, is Matt is the smart one. I'm the one who obsesses about stupid shit. <laughs> no, I obsess over some stupid shit. But anyways, uh, uh, one way or another, like I can't give it a rousing endorsement, but I really enjoyed it, and I'm going to check out stuff as it comes up on Marvel Unlimited because. Trade paperbacks are also still really expensive for an hour or half hour of reading. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. But what I can recommend, because it is mostly on Marvel Unlimited, uh, read all of the Darth Vader series. Uh, if I haven't already recommended that, uh, that's where uh, Aphra is introduced, gets a goodly amount of character development. I'd, I'd say she's probably the second, uh, the B character as uh, screenplays refer to them. But, yeah, well worth a read, and I'm looking forward to seeing where that character goes. Awesome. That's going to do it for us this time. We will see you next time with the Cape Crusader and the Boy Wonder. As always, uh, check out our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram. Boy, we've neglected that website. Yeah, that that's on me. That's one of my projects. It's and okay. now I have charts that I can put on there, Ooh. and I can fill out more data points. That'll be really cool, actually. I would be actually, really interested in, in having some more content on there for people to look at. Yeah, and uh, also just, like, having charts. Like, it feels like that's the kind of thing people can yeah. pass around. Also, detective Yeah. Infographics. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That fits very much our, our, uh, <laughs> our theme, our aesthetic. I'm just imagining, like... Look at these douchebags. DC Detectives these... PowerPoints. Yeah, man. Do you not think I have those? All right. <laughs> you, I, Check you out think... the website. Yeah, once we once we fancy it up and gussy it up a little bit and put some more info on there, maybe I'll make a chart about uh, body counts and where everybody's at. Yes. So you can feel really oh terrible Oh, my about God, yourself. yeah. Because I've got it all in my have book. Have, like, little icons of their helmets and stuff? I'm just going to have bloody emblems with hash marks next to them. So it's just going to be the Superman emblem with blood on it, and then equals whatever, like, rough mm. estimate, this many. I like that. Uh, Wonder Woman's will be pristine. And, Pretty much, uh, yeah. Robin's won't. <laughs> Please do follow us on Twitter, at DCD Podcast. Same thing with Instagram, at DCD Podcast. Again, we are on Facebook, the DC Detectives Podcast. Uh, I, I promise I'm, I'm streaming on Twitch. I promise. It's just I have been doing a lot of OT lately, and that has drained my body. So you will get more Injustice 2 when I give it to you, and perhaps we'll start playing another game that is comic-related. Maybe The Walking Dead. Maybe The Wolf Among Us. We have discussed that, and I intend to try to make that happen. I more or less want to do it so that Matt plays games that he hasn't played before, so that it's a little bit more of an, of an experience experience, because I have played those games. We're also thinking about getting a connect so that you can see us while we stream, and mm -hmm. you can hear both of us a lot more clearly than just through the headset, so that way you can have a, a more fun time and all that lovely stuff so we will talk to you again next time love each other be awesome or just i don't know be superman and just not really care about anything other than yourself and make a fortress of solitude and get hyped about i think we're coming up on the return of jane miles for jane miles explain the x-men oh 
Awesome. They're coming. They're, they're, I think July was when they said they'd come back. Getting ready. Awesome. I, I haven't seen any noise about it, but do, I think that's when they said they'd do come get back. hype about Jay and Miles. It's a good podcast. If you haven't been listening to Jay and Miles, you should be because it's us, but for the X Men, <laughs> and they're way better at this than we are. Substantially. <laughs> I I feel like they're a different aesthetic. They aesthetic, absolutely. Yeah. We, we're a little bit more um, Rick and Morty. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically that we're we're the Rick and Morty of comic book podcasts, which is. That's way more posturing than I think we've ever done. Am I Rick? Am I Rick in this instance? You you, under, you realize how much it takes to get you drunk? Yeah, maybe that's why I'm Rick. Oh, shit. DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and our Instagram at dcdetectivespodcast.com. From Luther to the Snake to an entire Seaborn Invasion... Superman prevailed. It wasn't completely his best self, and he lost some of the common touch that had defined him. But there was more of our Man of Steel in him than we'd ever seen before. When we tallied up how much time we'd spent with Clark and Diana, though, it was a shock to realize how much we'd neglected our first case. Tickets in hand, we headed back to the beginning. Back to the bat.